0: Hello my friends, this time I'm going to talk about a game that got a lot of buzz recently and that has been mentioned often on the show, the about-to-be-reprinted legendary fantasy war game Titan. Many of you are probably annoyed by the constant cries of Titan and even more annoyed by the prices that this game commands on eBay. Also, even though many constantly talk about Titan, there are actually very few actual descriptions of the gameplay itself on the net. It seems to be granted that everybody knows the game, which I can't believe is true. So this feature is specifically meant to explain Titan to everybody who doesn't know the game yet and who wants to know what all the fuss is about. Titan was published during the golden age of the old Avalon Hill. As was their usual policy at the time, they didn't develop the game itself, but took an existing small press design that had had some moderate success and conventions and honed it to perfection. They called it, for better or worse, a monster slugathon game. As far as I know, the only game in existence that has this subtitle. And they were right. In fact, the simple term fantasy war game wouldn't do justice to titan, which is in many respects a unique game. Opening the box of the Avalon Hill edition, one will find four things. 1. A mounted master board. It's called Masterboard because calling it map or world would not be sufficient. The Masterboard is the most difficult thing to get in Titan, as it is a purely abstract, fiercely symmetrical point-to-point map. 2. Several small Battleland maps. These are used to duke out the many, many skirmishes that the whole game is about. They use very large hexagons to fit the three hundreds of king-size counters that depict the many, many monsters battling it out in the game. As a little side story, the first edition of the game used water soluble ink, so if some water was spilled on the counters, the artwork actually vanished, as well when grabbed by sweaty, nerdy wargamers' hands. 4. A moderate-size rulebook The rules of titan are very straightforward and elegant and far from obtuse, but there are some finer points that are often missed, so even though the game could be described as rather simple compared to the usual war game, it still is certainly not a simple game. What is the game about? Each player commands a titan, a personal king type unit that is the most important counter in the game. If your titan dies for any reason, you're out of the game. Yes, this is a game with player elimination possible and even necessary before the game ends. Last titan standing wins the game, deal with it. The titan starts out weak, but can get stronger from experience the more monsters you kill. Throughout the game you keep a tally of kill victory points and for each hundred points the titan will be one notch stronger, basically meaning that he rolls one more die and can take one more hit. This means that the titan gets experience even if he's not involved in a battle. And very often titans are also not battling until late in the game, as the game uses a hidden movement system and you don't want everybody to know where your titan is. Once your titan dies, all your other armies also die, and the killing player gets a lot of points. Needless to say, attacking with a titan is always risky business. There are also angels, a kind of second-in-command unit to the titan. They are awarded as a freebie unit for every hundred points you get. And there are also powerful archangels, which you get at 500 points each. In addition, at the beginning of the game, you get two centaurs, two gargoyles, and two ogres, which are the lowliest creatures in the game. Now, each player divides these eight total creatures, a titan, the angel, and the aforementioned six monsters, in two starting legions with four units each. The legions move around the master board and try to recruit things, with the goal of becoming more and more powerful. To hide the units in each legion, a marking counter is placed on them. No player except the owning player may look under this legion marker. But every time a battle happens, the legion's contents are revealed to everybody. So there is a minor memory element involved in the game. Legions hold a maximum of seven creatures, so once they recruit the seventh unit, they have to split. Splitting your legions in the right way is considered the key to winning the game, by the way. Once you split, you decide which unit goes into which legion, which means like you act as a magician who plays a little game of switching cups with the people who formerly knew the contents of a legion. You can always move all your legions on the board, and movement is governed by a dreaded single die roll, which is used for all your legions. Now we have to talk about the master board, which confuses many first-time players. The basic structure is a giant hexagon. There are six tower regions, which are the start regions and also powerful defensive regions. There is an outer ring, where one can basically only move one way around the board. It's called the highway to hell, as often legions go around in circles without finding the entry point to the inner realms again. There is a middle region, which basically consists of a snake-like twisting and turning road with many exit points. And there is the inner region, where one can recruit the most powerful monsters, but where one is also trapped in a way, as there is always only one exit. Abstract symbols mark your way on the master board. Each area hex has two or three exits. Some of them are mandatory, which means you have to go that way. Some of them can only be chosen if you start your move on the hex, and some of them are free to choose. Towers can only be entered if you roll a one, as you always have to take your full movement roll with your legion. Stopping is not allowed. Each area has a different terrain. There are woods, hills, swamp, mountains, etc. Each terrain recruits different monsters. The monsters are organized in recruiting trees, where you usually need to have a pair or a triple of monsters to achieve the next highest monster. For example, if you end your turn in a plain space and have two centaurs, you get a lion, the next highest creature in that branch. If you have two lions in a mountain space, you get a minotaur, and so on. The different monster branches are not symmetrical, and there are some creatures which branch out in two different ways. If you know the early incarnations of the computer game Heroes of Might and Magic, you already know how this works, as the recruiting system had many similarities. There are actually many more ideas taken from Titan in this computer game. The most powerful creature is the Colossus, and probably around 90% of all Titan games actually never see the recruiting of a Colossus, because it takes so long to achieve and the game usually has ended before that. Each of the terrains on the masterboard also corresponds with a battle map. When you enter the space with an opponent's legion, you have to stop and attack, which is when the battle lands enter the game. These are like enlarged versions of the terrain hexes, but with relatively few hexes in total. The defender enters on one side and the attacker from the other. The battle lands also include various kinds of terrains that influence the battles in interesting ways. There are volcanoes, ridges, swamps, etc. The battles are fought over a maximum of seven rounds and are the most fun aspect in the game. But they also can be the most frustrating aspect, as basically a combat between two players means the other players just watch and cheer. The combat system is extremely simple but also extremely fun. Basically, each monster has only two stats, a skill and a power. The skill denotes the to hit roll, the power denotes the number of dice you roll and the number of hits you can take. First you move all your monsters. Remember, there can only be seven on each side in each battle. Then you roll buckets of dice for hits of adjacent monsters or for range strikes. Defending monsters roll two simultaneously. If a skill 3 monster fights a skill 3 monster, a 4 or more on a die equals a hit. If a skill 3 monster fights against a skill 4 monster, it is one worse in skill, so it needs one number higher to hit, a 5 or 6. Skills go only from 2 to 4, but terrain also plays a role in defense and attack. A 6 always hits, regardless of the skill difference. Hits are put on the monsters using little chits. A monster is fully active until it dies which means that very often it makes a big difference if a monster dies at the end of a round or not, because even with one hit point left, it still can roll its full damage contingent when attacked next round. Much has been said about this combat system. I have to say that it is extremely satisfying to roll 18 dice for a serpent or 10 dice for a colossus. This sounds very luck-based, but funnily enough it isn't. First of all, as Mark McLaughlin correctly noted, the rolling of loads of dice always approaches an average at some point and also the little tactical battles can be calculated to a certain extent. An experienced Titan player will either know immediately that a battle can't be won and concede, thereby saving time, or he will play the battle in the most efficient way, which demands a lot of experience. Even though the rules are deceivingly simple, even the most hardened Titan player will constantly encounter a new situation that will surprise and challenge him. It is in short one of the best simple battle systems ever invented. A tactical battle usually takes 5 minutes if both players know what they're doing. But there can be several battles per turn. Which brings us to the aforementioned aspect of player elimination. Titan is a game for 2 to 6 players. Last Titan standing wins, which means that in a 6 player game, one player after the other will be eliminated, which can take quite a while. Also the game can have wildly different playing times. A 2 player game can be over in half an hour if the opponent's Titan dies quickly but it also easily can go on for 12 hours, while each player amasses huge stacks of legions. This makes Titan a very bad game to bring along to your parents, but an ideal game to be played at conventions where an eliminated player can simply start with another game, or a game to be played by email or online. The constant showdown battles can be exciting, and the last turns of the game can get very exciting, especially if two Titan legions clash and the battle will be decisive. There are currently two free ways to play Titan with full rules on the internet. One is turn-by-turn, via ACTS, using a very abstracted masterboard done with ASCII. The more elegant version is Colossus, the complete Java-based computer version, which faithfully recreates the wonderful graphics of the game, but which can only be played live online or against a pretty top-notch AI alone on your computer. I'm sure that Jason and Scott can provide the necessary links in their show notes. A last word about the graphics. Titan is clearly a child of the 70s, so there are no fancy computer graphics or such. Instead, the style of graphics is very similar to the one used in Dragon Pass, the game I talked about the last time. The monsters basically are depicted by very ingenious shadow icons, but each monster counter has a unique picture. This level of detail is actually quite uncommon, and the graphic designer of the original game has to be applauded for this creativity and the general look and feel of the game, which is simply legendarily cool. So, if there's one bit of advice I can give Valley Games for the new print edition, thinking of a similar saying about the state of Texas, don't mess with Titan, or else. Until next time, may your hits always be crits. Bye-bye.